Hi there, it's Nick here. Thanks so much for your continued support of the Nick Luck Daily Podcast. Wherever you consume your podcast, it is great to have you with us. I would alert you again to the racing app which is your one-stop shop and the easiest place now to download the show each and every morning as soon as it's ready. Many of you are doing so already, and that's not just because you can get access to all 880 episodes of this show, and very easily as well, but you can also watch live races. You can watch all the replays, and you can stream in the card with an active Fitstairs account. So do download it now, uh, the racing app. It's your one-stop shop and you will be able to catch up on all the previous episodes of your favourite daily racing podcast. You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning, welcome to the show. It is Thursday the 14th of December and I am at Ascot Racecourse today where I've been filming this morning. It is rather damp and drizzly and a little bit soggy but it's always a delight to be here and we will be racing back here on Saturday week for the Long Walk Hurdle and more. Uh, more of what's happening this weekend and beyond later in the show. I'll be talking to Joseph O'Brien and I'll also be talking to Venetia Williams as she readies Royal Pagai in his bid to win the King George VI chase at Kempton on Boxing Day. But we must start today with an extremely important development that emerged yesterday from the British Horse Racing Authority, who reaffirmed in no uncertain terms uh, its commitment and indeed a strengthened commitment to safeguarding not only the participants of the sport, but everybody even tangentially involved with it. Lee Mottishead is the senior writer for the Racing Post, uh, Lee, there is a, quite a lot to get through here, but we might start by explaining why the BHA has felt moved to to make this uh, manoeuvre now. Yes, Nick. Well, the, the BHA put out a press release yesterday whose, whose initial headline sort of summarises what's going on here. So the headline said, BHA sets out actions to make British racing a safer, more supportive and more respectful environment for all and that tied in with two separate announcements if you like yesterday um one uh was in relation to the bha revealing details of cases that its safeguarding unit which was created in 2018 uh cases that that unit has looked at dealt with since that period so over the last five years Various uh, statistics were produced. Um, of those, um, the, the key one was that 350 cases, over 350 cases of safeguarding and human welfare related concerns had been examined by that unit. Of those, 22% concerned bullying, 26% concerned sexual misconduct. And of that latter category, 41% related to sexual assault, rape, and attempted rape. We were told yesterday that since 2018, there has been a year-on-year -year increase in cases. Uh, and one uh, one reason for the BHA coming out with its announcement yesterday was to say that it is strengthening, enhancing its safeguarding procedures. And part of that is because that this year there has been an increase again 
in more complex sexual cases that the unit has been looking at. We're also told that 14 individuals are currently subject to interim BHA orders or conditions because they're under police investigation or investigation from other external scrutiny. So the BHA has responded by by strengthening its safeguarding procedures. Um, a number of uh, plans it's got include updating its safeguarding and human welfare strategy, uh, enhanced safeguarding and human welfare education, reporting lines are being strengthened as well. This work is being done in tandem with a report, a PhD report that was produced yesterday by uh, Dr. Eleanor Bowden and the University of Durham. Uh, Dr. Bowden is someone who uh, already has connections to, to British horse racing. She uh, is involved. She works with the, the Scottish Racing uh, Academy at a uh, senior level. She's chief executive of that. She has worked in racing yards. She's worked on race courses and she is the new chair of the diversity in racing steering group. And her PhD was concentrating on the lived experiences of uh, women uh, working in horse racing between 2015 and 2020. And her report included a lot of really worrying uh, worrying uh, details in terms of uh, interviewees. She spoke to referenced um, occasions where they had witnessed or been subject to sexual harassment. Um, her, her PhD uh, argues that her research shows that racing's culture normalises some inappropriate sexualized behavior um, and it was believed by many of dr bowden's research participants that most people who were making comments and acting inappropriately didn't actually understand that their behavior constitutes sexual misconduct in response to all this nick i suppose the one of the the, the key headline uh, making responses was that the bha apologized for um things that have taken place in the past. Joe Sormer-Smith, the BHA chair, in a very powerful statement, said, on behalf of British Racing, I apologise unreservedly to anyone who has experienced harm and behaviour. That is unacceptable. I also want to thank those who have shared their stories and provided powerful personal testimony. We are sorry and we will work determinedly to put this right and that work in effect has been heightened and accelerated from this point onwards well tim naylor is the director of uh, integrity and regulation at the british horse racing authority um tim first why are we coming to this point specifically now december 2023 what's prompted the latest doubling down um to enhance safeguarding measures Thanks, Nick. Well, I think there are there are two reasons uh, why now. Firstly, we have come to the end of our our first safeguarding strategy, uh, which we implemented uh, in two thousand and twenty one, and and now is the time to to look beyond uh, what we've been doing previously uh, and and look to do more. Um, the second reason is, sadly, as a combination of the cases that we've seen over the last five years and from the research by Dr. Elena Bowden, uh, that we have seen an increase in cases particularly relating to sexual misconduct, sexual harassment and bullying. Um, what we would like to do now in, with our new strategy is to introduce what we are calling a safeguarding for all approach. So whereas before we were very much focused uh, on children uh, and adults with vulnerabilities, 
now we are looking to tackle um, issues relating to everyone in, in the industry. And sadly, that does include uh, sexual misconduct and cases like that. Um, do you have any idea why there has been a significant increase in reports of serious sexual assault? Um, my my assumption is, is that, uh, as in society generally now, I hope a positive step is happening, which is that people feel uh, more confident in bringing cases forward and reporting matters. Um, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily that there is more uh, misconduct happening. I think hopefully people feel more confident in bringing things forward, okay. and that's why we have seen an upsurge in in reports. How are we? How are we as racing participants going to be safer tomorrow than we were? A month ago? I think there are a number of things and of course change is not going to happen overnight but over the last five years we have been working hard on this issue. Um, this isn't something that we're just pressing a button uh, and, and off we go now. We have uh, our reporting lines and mechanisms, we have a strong in-house safeguarding team at the BHA. We of course have the Code of Conduct which has now been in place for a year uh, and we have successfully brought cases under the code and more possibly importantly have really engaged with the industry to provide education, raise awareness, um, so that hopefully we can change behaviours, but also that people feel more comfortable in speaking up um, and, and tackling some of these issues. Because, you know, part of this really is saying to the industry, well, we all need to do this together. Um, safeguarding is everyone's responsibility. And if you witness something, we want to hear from you. Do you think racing is an, an unusual place to work? Uh, and if so, does that make people's behaviour at um, odds with behaviour in, in wider society? Um, I don't think racing necessarily is an un unusual place, but it, of course, is it, it's fairly unique. Um, and one of the, the problems, perhaps, for, for racing that perhaps other industries and sports don't have is that there are potentially more opportunities um, for issues to arise. Um, in often in sports, if you just compare to sports like like football, um, you know single gender teams and things like that, there are less perhaps issues um, of this nature. But of course, they have greater issues in relation to um, young people, um, perhaps adults with vulnerabilities. So, so racing is is unique, but it's not that racing specifically has an issue. These issues exist in society. There are perhaps are more opportunities within racing, um, sadly, for these things to happen. I think quite rightly we began and, and, and really focused on the most serious aspects of this. Um, but there, there's a, a wider context as well. And a lot of that involves just the way we are around each other and the way that we conduct ourselves and you know, issues perhaps that people wouldn't think are of the same sort of gravity, well, which aren't of the same sort of gravity, but just contribute to a general way we exist and the, and the culture of the sport. Um, in your experience, Tim, and you've seen this close up, are we getting better in that respect or not? I hope so, Nick. I think the problem is, is of course, that we're seeing more reports. So, so on its face, it might seem like uh, things are getting worse. But I hope that because we're raising awareness that more people are actually raising problems, whereas in the past, um, people would have remained silent or even worse, people would have said, well, that's just, that's just the way it is. 
that's just the way that we talk to each other that's just the way that we we behave and i think what's happening now is people are realizing that that's not right and that's not okay um certainly over my time in the bha um you know i joined seven years ago now and in that time uh, i've seen you know, the introduction of safeguarding team in the first place uh, i've seen the uh, sadly the the, the briny uh, case and then the code of conduct and what i'm hearing when i speak to people now is people realizing that actually do you know what these things aren't okay um even on social media now um you know we see the trolls we see all the abuse that sadly our trainers our jockeys our, our staff even yourself nick i'm sure receive um and people are realizing well actually no it's not acceptable uh, and hopefully now it's not gonna it's not gonna happen overnight behaviors will be will be changing tim thanks so much for your time thank you Nick. well let's get the thoughts of george mcgrath who is the Chief Executive of the National Association of Racing Staff. Um, George, your reaction to what was released yesterday? Look, I always take a positive out, outlook on things. I welcome um, the BHA's announcement. I've long called for a cultural change within racing um, and this is the start of that. I also think the Industry People Board will be a big player in changing the culture and the way we treat our employees right across the industry and I think it's important Nick to recognise that it's not just racing staff we're talking about here. In terms of the Industry People Board, we're talking about everybody in racing. You can be a farrier, you can be a trainer, you can be an owner, you can work in a stud. So it's the entirety, our, our entire workforce within racing um, that probably just needs to sort of wake up and smell the coffee a little bit. Okay. In what respect do you think it needs to wake up and smell the coffee most, to use your words? Um, it's just the way we behave. Ever since I came into racing back 1985-86, the way we tend to behave in and around the racing environment is very different to how we actually behave um, outside of that racing environment. It's almost like something changes when you walk into a racing yard or perhaps a stud or even a, if you're working at a race course. Um, we address each other in a different manner that we wouldn't do so if we met each other in a supermarket or any other sort of uh, environment or social setting. It just seems that we we kind of we've normalized behavior that wouldn't be normal in any other walk of life. And it just seems to have been the way racing has been for, well, as long as I can go back, which is, as I said, 1985. So if that is the case and if racing is at right angles to other um, parts of society, why do you think that is? I can't really answer that. It's just been like that since I've been in racing. But as I've moved through various roles within racing, from being a young apprentice and then a conditional, then to being a headman and a travelling headman, and now in the role I've got, I still recognise in yards behaviours that are normalised that wouldn't be normalised. And I see it very clearly because now I have more of an office-based role. And I know that the behaviours that even I would have been guilty of uh, when I was back working in racing, just wouldn't be accepted in an office environment and I don't want to sound like I'm the fun police here uh, I'm not saying we can't have some some uh, some laugh and some jokes in our working place but all too often our language is, is inappropriate I know there will always be an element of swearing in life and in racing but for me you cross a boundary when you're swearing at someone instead of at something and that often happens so if you're riding a, a naughty two year old and it's dropping its shoulder before you're going into a canter you're probably going to let go with an expletive out of relief that you haven't been buried when you swear at somebody 
who's in front or behind you because you don't appreciate what they're doing, that's when it crossed the line. That hasn't changed since I've been in racing. Okay. Um, I want to talk about some of the more um, specific and um, serious issues in, in the paper that we've that we've been reading and in the um, documents put out by the BHA yesterday to do with serious sexual abuse, attempted rape and rape. Um, how surprised were you by the numbers involved there? I wouldn't say I was shocked, but I was still surprised um, at the actual numbers and what's being reported. Um, but I am um, relieved, I suppose is the right word to say, that the industry is actually addressing those cases. I think we also need to reflect upon our industry. Staff-wise, we've about 7,500 working in racing yards. In the industry itself, we've about 20,000. So I'm not sure if those figures aren't hugely out of sync with the rest of society. But I can't say for sure because I don't know what other reporting mechanisms there are in other industries and other walks of life. Would it be your instinct that um, a significant number or a a notable increase in 2023 is um, owing more to... Are people being more prepared and having the uh, access paths to to report um, uh, incidents rather than a rather than a rather than a, a, an actual increase? I, I think you're spot on with that, Nick, and I think a lot of that's got to do with uh, Bryony Frost, who stood up and said this is not acceptable, and she led the way in that. Um, and I think the industry should be very grateful for Bryony Frost for having the courage to stand up and saying, "Hold on, don't treat me like that. Don't talk to me like that. I'm a human being. I'm a female, but I'm a human being. Treat me with respect." And that's all we want to see. Um, and I, I do believe that that's what's triggered uh, a lot more people having the courage to actually say, "Yeah, that's wrong," and I. I want to challenge that behaviour and I welcome that. All right, that was George McGrath from the National Association of Racing Staff. And before George, you heard from Tim Naylor, who's the Director of Integrity and Regulation at the British Horse Racing Authority. So I suppose, uh, picking the bones out of all of that, Lee Motter said, Senior Writer from the Racing Post, you have to uh, balance the the notion that reported cases of serious offences have increased against the instinct on the part of the people that we've just spoken to that actually uh, the sport might be a a safer place than it was a few years ago and it's quite a a difficult paradox to get your head around it is isn't it it is difficult nick when when you hear um the the bha saying that actually what they want to hear now um is an increase in 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 cases being reported because your first thing is to say well that means that the problem is increasing where actually the reality hopefully is that it's just that people are now more more feel more able um to report cases and as george mcgrath said um one reason for that is that people we've had trailblazers we've had people who have been brave enough to do that in the past including as george has said himself briny frost um it clearly isn't it's not it's not an easy thing this nick to 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 hear to read about um it's deeply concerning the bha has been clear in saying that as well that, that, that from their conversations um with police authorities the racing situation largely reflects that of of wider society and that in wider society people now thankfully are better able feel more confident in reporting instances where they have suffered or where they know that others have suffered or are suffering but i think it's equally true 
that racing does have specific instances, specific uh, cases, cultures that ha- mean that racing does have problems that maybe other industries, other sectors don't necessarily have. And I thought what George was saying about the the culture in in racing yards and in behaviour that has been and is normalised that shouldn't be normalised, I think that was was really interesting. And George is a is a chief executive who very commendably has never been afraid to talk about problems in the racing industry and in the racing workplace, which which he knows so well. Um, there are other instances with 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 racing that are peculiar to racing, not least the fact that in all too many cases and on all too many race courses, it's still the case that female jockeys have to enter male changing facilities for the the pre-way function now that is something that is not it's it's far beyond satisfactory it's it's basically indefensible in the sense that if you go down your local gymnic you would not have in any case any scenario at all where, where female gym members have to enter male gym changing rooms and that has to be uh stopped immediately and it ha- won't be stopped immediately but it has to be stopped as quickly as possible because it's just not right on a, on a positive front, Nick, I think what I have been pleased about is the response to what we learned yesterday seems to have been really mature, uh, really positive, and the the, the, the the trade associations within racing that we've heard from have acknowledged the problem and have um, expressed a willingness and a readiness and an enthusiasm to do all they can to make things better. That hasn't always been the case in instances like this um, in racing. And some of the responses, for example, to the Robbie Dunn bullying case within racing, I think were were regrettable. But I, I feel that the response to these two separate announcements, if you like, yesterday, Nick, to the, the BHA's uh, safeguarding unit uh, data and to Dr. Bowden's report. I think they have been really positive and I hope that um, there is a positive outcome from them as well. I'm sure there are many reasons for that, Lee, a sort of fairly grown-up response, but I, I thought there were three that struck me instantly. Uh, the first was that in some cases here, we're talking about very, very serious offences and nobody in their right mind is going to take any issue with that being dealt with in the strongest possible terms. The second point, I thought, was that the language of the BHA's statement, whilst Joe Somerset-Smith's um, apology was you know, quite impactful, I felt they were also very keen to stress all the positive aspects of the unique camaraderie that horse racing can bring. So it wasn't a, a an, an overarching renouncing of the culture of horse racing per se, merely some of the worst aspects of it, as you would expect in any office or any society. And third, that Eleanor Bowden's research comes from a a place of of absolute love and respect for the sport rather than somebody who is seeking to to destabilise the sport. So I feel that that all the industry bodies have have shown a grown-up response in part because of those things. Well, that's my instinct anyway. Yeah, I, I think that's all. I think that's all right, Nick. Um, I think uh, it is the case that, as you say, uh, Eleanor Bowden is. I'm not sure the, the phrase "racing insider" is is particularly helpful, but she she knows horse racing 
Uh, she does work within racing and she wants the best for racing. None of none of this is being done or is being said um, because anybody wants to to damage racing, to embarrass racing or, or to shame racing. But equally, you can only tackle a problem if you are made aware of the problem. Um, and there are serious things that need to be uh, need to be looked at, need to be dealt with. Um, and although there is a lot about the racing culture that is fantastic, not least the camaraderie that, that that you talk about. George, in his interview, does reference the fact that people sometimes behave differently within a racing environment than they would anywhere else. And we, we've all spent time in, in racing yards and they're, they're great places, but sometimes you do uh, hear things being said and you see interactions that probably you wouldn't see in other work environments and as george said that has to change and i think two of the things that julie harrington said um during a, a media briefing yesterday nick re relate um relate to that and uh, almost again explain why there has to be uh cultural change she said it was critical to British racing's long-term prosperity, particularly in relation to recruiting and retaining staff, that there are changes. And I think that is absolutely right. We know there are immense difficulties uh, within racing's workforce in, in terms of having enough staff and to, to, to make the workplace an attractive place for people who come from outside of horse racing. I think racing's culture has to more closely reflect the culture of other workplaces. Not, 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 that's not, that's not to uh, belittle the fact that it's often a different sort of workplace with different sort of demands. But I think also something else that was really interesting that, that, that Julie Harrington uh, said, and I think said more than once, is just because you're not aware of instances of bullying or sexual misconduct or discrimination doesn't mean that they they don't exist. I think all too often... And this reflects, this is a, a wider society point as well, Nick. All too often, we think just because we don't see or hear um, or understand something doesn't mean it's not happening. It, it very often is happening. I, I, I say, I think the response, the industry response to this so far would, to me, suggest that, that people are understanding that and are now more willing to come on board with that sort of perspective than perhaps they have been at any point in the past. And that's really welcome. Well, it's a good race this weekend for the December Gold Cup. You'll have heard me speaking with Ollie Murphy earlier in the week about Thunder Rock, who is in good form and is able to carry quite a competitive weight, partly because the top weight's a very classy horse, and that is Fakir Duderi, uh, who's around about an eight or nine to one shot at the moment. Joseph O'Brien trains the horse and is, is with me now. It's great to see him back, Joseph. You're into a handicap first time out of the season. What was the thinking behind this as a departure point for him? Yeah, well, I suppose Nick, it's obviously at, at an intermediate distance, which which we think su suits him pretty well. Um, he is giving weight all round, um, but but you know he just fell a little bit short in in the top company last spring, and he's obviously a multiple Grade One winner. But we we you know having discussed his plans for the season with with Frank and, and JP, um, we're going to just look at a slightly different route with him this year and see where that leads us into the spring. Did did you feel that that he was performing 
to his best, but others had caught up with him last year, or that he just wasn't quite firing on all cylinders at the back end of the season? Um, I think he, he ran pretty well, Nick, in in, in just about all of his runs. Um, uh, but but just found found one or two too good for him, and uh, you know, in those real top races that he had had been winning the, the, the two years previously. So so um, he had been around for a while, um, and uh, he's twenty miles in the clock. So he had an extended uh, break this this summer, and um, uh, you know, really we're kind of been targeting the, the spring with him, and this was a, a nice starting point. We we had the option of going to uh, Huntington um, a couple of weeks ago um, uh, but he was penalised in there for winning a grade 2 last last season so so we thought that maybe coming here and carrying the weight in you know what is a significant class drop for him uh, would be an interesting place to start. Yeah it sounds like you're sort of feeling your way through. Is there a possibility just in the in the back of your mind that he could still just boss these for class? Uh, well, there's always the possibility, but but it is um, it is difficult to to give weight and a lot of weight all round in in those these high end handicaps. Um, but but he is there's no doubt he's the classiest horse in the race, and um, I mean he's a obviously a multiple grade one winner. So so he carries the weight for a reason, and we we think he has summered very well. And um, it you know not to kind of call it an experiment, but it, it is an interesting place to start him off this season, and and it will kind of give us a an idea or guide us to what is the correct next step for him. All right, that was uh, Joseph O'Brien. Lee Mottishead is still with me. And Lee, the news of uh, a man who is a a, a serious accomplice to Joseph during the flat season, Dylan Brown McMonagall, a very, very talented young rider, and he has been doing well in pastures new. He has, yeah. Group one winner, um, of course, for for Joseph uh, last year on Alriffa in the National Stakes, a prolific group uh winner already at a, at a young age and he had his first uh success uh in australia um uh, overnight um on thursday at caulfield Racecourse. um he rode a horse uh, type named dublin journal um to win a race and that was a race a win that was um greatly celebrated by dylan it was an impressive performance too he found a gap on the rail nip through and uh, the, the victory was, I think, admired uh, by commentators and pundits there quite rightly. He is in a stint uh, based with Kiramar and David Eustace in, uh, in Melbourne. And it's um, although he hadn't had a winner until now, I think he'd been riding really well. He had been impressing people. He would have impressed people even more with his performance at Caulfield. And it does seem, Nick, as though jockeys familiar to us on our soil over here are doing really well abroad, left, right and centre at the moment. Not least, of course, Tom Marquand and Holly Doyle, who seem to be having doubles, trebles and four-timers all the time at the moment in Japan. Uh, any ideas who might win the December Gold Cup, the Boodles Gold Cup at Cheltenham on Saturday? Well, I think I think it's a it's a it's a it's an interesting race, um, Nick. And I think the point that you made to to Joseph that Fakir Dudari could maybe just outclass them all down in grade. It's it's one that I'm I'm quite tempted by. Um, Did you not get the feeling from that interview that they were just feeling their way into the campaign and that we might see him start to bloom in March? Yeah, potentially, but equally. We know that when you get to to March and April, um, the majority of available targets will likely be in 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 uh, conditions company. I wonder how many big handicap options he will have as the 
as the season goes on. This is a 130 grand race. Uh, prize money has been increased um, in recent years. It had, although at one point it was even more valuable. 74 grand first prize, Nick. I, I think it's a race that they would be quite keen to win. John Janiel Jr. has been booked for the ride. I don't think it's seldom as competitive or classier race these days as the, the Paddy Power Gold Cup in November. Thunder Rock is clearly extremely attractive um, given his recent form lines. Um, and there are others elsewhere in the field. I thought uh, for a bamboo, uh, although out of the weights could be interesting on his newbie run last time. Il Redota, Montmorel are a strong challenge for the for the Nichols team. But I, I, I wouldn't be at all surprised if Fakidou Dury goes along from the front and just outclasses his rivals. Um, it's uh, the highlight of, a, of, a, of an interesting card at Cheltenham, not a, not a vintage Cheltenham Saturday card. Obviously, this is a meeting that in the past would have had the international hurdle uh, that, for very good reasons, um, has moved to Festival Trials Day in January. As a result, what used to be the feature race on the Friday card, or the most valuable race on the Friday card, the three-mile, two-furlong handicap chase, has moved to Saturday. It's now back to 100 grand, which used to be many years ago. So it's good to see that race getting its old value back. And that's produced, Nick, an interesting nine on a field headed by Protector at, again, like Fakidadari, returning, dropping back to, to handicap company. Uh, three and a three five is a progressive force. Elvis Mel, I thought the, the really interesting one, and it was Broadway Boy. Uh, for Nigel Twiston Davis, who was a very good winner um, at Cheltenham last time and might well be a candidate for the Broadway Novices Chaser Brand Advisory come the festival. So, do, two strong handicaps at the centrepiece um, of a Cheltenham card that is, is light on, on on pattern races this time. We've got the Grade 2 Albert Bartlett Novices Hurdle, but, but has plenty of interest for punters. All righty. Well, I think anybody with a, a, a runner in sort of single figure odds for the, the King George at the moment would be rubbing their hands together thinking yeah you know I've got a I've got a shout here and that would certainly include Venetia Williams who's won the race before and uh, whose Royal Pagai ran very well in it last year and is, is bound for it again off the back of his Haydock win. Uh, Venetia when you look at the race how how hopeful or confident do you feel? Um, well you said, I talked about single figured um, runners it's probably it might even be a single figured race mightn't it? Um, I, th- I suspect it almost certainly will be. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's obviously something to look forward to for sure. Um, I think, um, you know, ground is always important to sort of see the best of him. Um, not sure what we're going to get. We've probably got a slightly better chance of getting the softer ground than in the past. I, I did just wonder whether... How how contingent he was on the ground. I know the time of the, the Haydock race wasn't too bad. It just certainly didn't suggest it was a complete slog through the, the deep winter mud. Gosh. Yeah, no, no, no. He doesn't need to have that at all. Um, but I just think it saves the others up a bit more. Um, you know, unlike maybe other horses, he probably doesn't go a lot quicker, you know, on, on, on dry ground than he does on soft. Um, and, and Haydock these days, despite what, what everybody says and what is described, it, it, it's never the, the testing ground of, of old. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it wouldn't have been that testing the other day. Quite a hard performance to assess in terms of figures the other day at Haydock. Obviously, he, he looks superb, as, as he often does. And he's a very consistent horse. Are there grounds in your mind for believing that he could actually be a fundamentally better horse this year? 
Yeah, very, very good question. And, and, it, and it's hard to, to sort of try and reconcile yourself with that possibility because of the age he is, you know, and he's obviously been around for, for quite a while. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, obviously I've, I've been pleased the way our horses have been running um, this season, which um, it's only been going sort of six or seven weeks for us. Um, you know, and that might have contributed a bit to his well-being um i don't know we'll find out uh, we will uh, and one sort of pleasing aspect is that his jumping was pretty assured normally he can just splice one or two when you least expect it um do you do a lot yeah no no he did he did you probably couldn't see it from the camera angle he was slightly hidden but um yeah two down the back one on each circuit um he he did his usual I don't because he's not a bad jumper, is he? He just that 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 tendency just to sort of take his eye off the ball for no reason. Well, he's a big, strong horse, and 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 you know he's he's when he meets one wrong, occasionally he will put in that other stride. But um, uh, he didn't get away with it um, at Fairy House, which was unfortunate. But um, yeah, it, that that's the way he is, and and he's not going to change now. Uh, have you given much thought to the the very back end of the season? I suppose Kempton will tell you a bit, but think of running him in the Grand National or something like that um he'll have an entry he had an entry last year actually but didn't go um you know he went to he went for the Irish version instead um but yeah no he'll, he'll definitely have an entry this year um and that even though he has got that tendency to miss one I could see him going quite well around there well possibly um I mean you know, as we all know the fences aren't what what they used to be and 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 hopefully um with the obstacles in front of him now, you'd hope that he might just manage to find his way around. And I, I, I do appreciate there's a there's a sort of um, omerta when it comes to me asking you questions about about poor old Lon Presse, but is he all right? Yeah, Lon Presse is all right. He's very well. Um, we just had to take our time with getting him ready this, this year. And... Um, uh, none of us were very keen on going to Kempton first time out when it would have been a little bit of a rush. Um, so the race we're looking at now is um, the Fleur de Lis at, at Lingfield, mm. um, third week of, of January. All right, my thanks to Venetia and to all my guests today. Lee Mottisette is still with me and has something for you to go away with. He does. He has apologies to Seamus Mullins, Nick, because the last time I took one of Seamus's horses on this pod, the horse parted company uh, with jockey mid-race at Hereford. I hope that doesn't happen in the 205 at Taunton today. The Canadian Affair Holidays and Flights Novices Handicap Chase, in which Seamus runs a horse called Morphe who has spent a bit of time off the track, but two comeback runs have been pleasing, particularly his most recent effort. I think going up in trip to two miles and seven folds at Taunton today can produce a return victory for the horse. I'm tipping Morphe, James Best and Seamus Mullins in the 2.05 at Taunton. Lee, thanks so much. Thank you very much for listening. I'll be back again to do it tomorrow. And that was Thursday, December the 14th. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary.